Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with the fabulous Tina Spring. And today we're going to talk about the holidays. Now, we have some some past issues that we talk, um, or episodes, I should say, where we talk about some of the things you can do to manage the holidays. But what we're going to talk about this time is some of the hazards to look out for the holidays and what are some of the more common problems that may arise at the holidays. So Keen and I were talking beforehand, and I thought before we get this all out, let's start recording so we don't, you know, miss out on any of this conversation. So one of the things that that Tina was talking about is the holidays are a big time for bites. And it makes sense to me, but I hadn't been thinking in that direction. So Tina, I'd like you to expand on what you mean by it's a big time for bites. So, you know, statistics can be made to say anything, but I had, I had heard a statistic at one point that more dog bites happen between the week before Halloween and the week after New Year's than the rest of the year combined. Uh, doing the amount of significant behavior work I do, I would say that that seems to show up in my practice as well, right? I can go months without a call about a dog bite. And then all of a sudden there's this cascade into Mm -hmm. more reactivity. And so as I have, you know, worked in my practice, I have started to go, okay, well, what, like, what contributes to that? Like what potentially are things, because I'm pretty much all about prevention. So I always think monsters hide in the dark. So if we turn the lights on, you know, we can, we can deal with that. So, um, and maybe not eliminate risk. I mean, I think that's ridiculous too. We have dogs living with our families. There's always a risk. Um, and, and I love Colleen's line that, that amazing children and fabulous dogs are going to have conflict sometimes. They just are, um, the same way Mm -hmm. that, you know, our partners, you know, are wonderful. And yet we sometimes have conflict with them as well. So, so I'm going to use you do occasionally. So, so the, um, uh, my example from yesterday, they have two adolescent dogs, um, two girl dogs. Um, one's two years old. The other one's like 18 months old and they've started having little dust ups, which is crazy dangerous. Mm-hmm. They have two children, six and three. Um, And so the three-year-old is still very much on the floor with the dogs. Um, And so one of the things we talked about yesterday was how the holidays are just a little bit more fraught, right? If you have a dog that's Mm -hmm. concerned about strangers or concerned about fast movement or doesn't manage sound well or doesn't manage pinch spaces well or change in routine, right? All of those things end up trigger stacking the dog, meaning... Just like for, you know, the average mom or grandma, all that activity, all the stressors of the holidays can sometimes create that perfect storm where maybe we are not our best selves. Um, And so they they're in a relatively new house and they put this little beautiful, cute, skinny, tall pencil um, Christmas tree up, I think, for the kids to decorate right? Which is awesome. And it's Mm -hmm. cute and it's adorable, but they've noticed the dogs are getting tense in that area, right? And the space is just pinched. So where 
previously there was probably adequate space for two dogs to move down that hallway. It's the only hallway to the front door, right, where dragons come in. Um, now the space, space is a little bit pinched. And this mama in particular is um, pretty significantly tall. Like at 5'3", um, I can tell you living with a tall person, C- Christopher pretty regularly stacks stuff in such a way that it's totally in my way and he's oblivious. Because at 6'4", he just doesn't notice it. He's a, literally looks above it all. And so he doesn't realize that he kind of makes me a little bit claustrophobic sometimes with stuff that's lower. So she and I just had a conversation about, you know, looking at the household, the space through the dog's eyes where they are, you know, significantly shorter than we are also puts them, by the way, where the toddler is. Right. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that I that um, I always uh, admired about um, Temple Grandin is that she would get into the space like where the cows were. Like she would be in the chute and, you know, walk down the street and say, wow, this is scary stuff. You know, this this leads this way or that way. And I think sometimes we forget what it's like to be at a different height. And so I think that that's really important to begin considering what is it that my dog is seeing? What is it my dog is, is, is feeling? I talk about that in one of my blogs when I talk about how to, um, what I saw at the farmer's market, how difficult summer farmer markets can be for dogs because everything is right at their nose level. Well, and think about even like, it's my understanding that most dogs do not find the scent of pine comfortable. And then we bring a blue spruce into the house. Right. right. Or or God bless our sweet boy dogs who are like, well, this is handy. Right. But then we're having <laughs> but then we're having a fuss at them or or the Labrador retriever for whom every one of those ornaments is a ball. Right. And now our brains have turned to jujubes. I just think that sometimes right. or, or the tree itself is a giant stick. Right. It's a giant stick. And then, Look at and this. Then, they brought me a giant stick for Christmas. And let's not leave the cats out of this. I mean, we all know someone who their tree has to be tied to the ceiling because the cats are in it, right? So, right. So, I mean, I can say when when we long ago, so now our tree has some some glass bulbs on it, but for a very long time, my tree only had unbreakable things on it. Like you could completely knock our tree over, nothing was going to break. Um, I handmade all the ornaments because I wanted them made out of cloth because at that time we had nine dogs and foster kids and, you know, it was mayhem. Like our house was insane. It was awesome, but it was insane. So this mama and I, especially we're recording this a week before Thanksgiving, she and I just had a conversation about how the kids are amped up, right? A six-year-old and a three-year-old at Christmas. Are you kidding me? Like they're highest kites already. Right. Um, and then young dogs. So not seven or eight year old dogs who go, okay, so this is the crazy we go through every year, right? Young, impressionable. The breed groups she has are kind of highly aroused breeds anyway. Right. Um, so, so we just talked about how kind of take a step back and think to yourself, like, okay, where are the places the dogs are going to struggle? And how do we mm-hmm. support them so that there's not conflict, right? Because especially girl dogs, 
conflict between two girl dogs is expensive in a whole bunch of ways. Because if they have enough conflict with one another, you you won't ever be able to have them together. Like, no matter how magical a trainer is, you're just not going to be able to do it. There will be permanent damage. So, um, and I have, and admittedly, very low tolerance for crazy, dangerous dog dog fighting with children in the house. Like, I just, it's mm-hmm. not okay with me. It It is a... It's not good for dogs and it's not good for kids or mamas and dads for their dogs to be fighting. Their kids will get in the middle of it. They will because that conflict feels really scary and really uncomfortable. And the kids love the dogs. So we just had a big talk about management. And and I said to her, like, I'm not saying that everything ends with management. Like we can work on all the different trigger stacking. But you have to kind of start with management so that we're avoiding That's the right. suffering that is avoidable. Um, That's right. And in and, and management, one, one of the things is, is interesting, you should mention trigger stacking, because I was just working with a client and we talked about exactly the same thing, that their son was having a birthday and all the family was coming over. And there was um, one of the cousins who the dog was very uncomfortable with. One of the dogs was very uncomfortable with the cousin. And um, one of the mother-in-laws, um, the dog was, uh, the other dog was uncomfortable with the mother-in-law because it had hovered over its crate. And then there's all these new people. And I said, okay, so we made a list of all the dog's triggers. And then we labeled them. What's the biggest trigger? What's the second biggest trigger? What's the third biggest trigger? And if we stack this trigger A on trigger B on trigger C, we're pretty much going to guarantee that somebody's going to lose it. So what we need to do is reduce the reactivity to each one of those triggers to the best of our ability so that if those all three happen at once, it doesn't push us over the threshold. It may get him aroused and uncomfortable, but we're not going to fall over the threshold. But the problem is, is sometimes at the holidays, we don't know what those triggers are, especially with young dogs, because this may be our first Christmas and we don't know. So I tell people a lot, like, assume the worst. Assume that people coming through the door is going to be arousing for your dog. Assume that all the people sitting at the table and tons of amazing food on the table is going to be a problem for your dog. Assume that your mother-in-law bringing her cranky poodle is going to be a problem for your dog. Like if we assume the worst and we plan for that, you can actually use that to do counter conditioning. So if I know when people are going to arrive, when people are going to leave, I can totally have my dogs crated with Kongs that they love Right. And I can teach them Mm -hmm. when people are coming in, amazing things happen in your crate. The dog's not knocking anybody down. They're not jumping on anybody. They're not scooting out the door and getting hit by a car. Nobody is being ugly to my dogs because that will ruin my holiday. Um, Right. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, it's all the pieces. And I think sometimes there is a little bit of, we just have to back up. And honestly, a good test is how the last holiday get together went. Right. If, yes. If everyone was mad at everyone else, it's a good indication that maybe this isn't a good plan. And if your dog is not crate trained, if your dog is completely over the top about strangers, boredom, get them out of the house. Right. If if your crazy Uncle Jack cannot leave the, the fearful dog alone, better that we should board them off site. 
so that crazy Uncle Jack doesn't ruin your dog or his relationship with right. you. Um, I just, it, it's, and, and that might, <laughs> that might sound terrible, but honestly, like I totally have dogs who come here for Thanksgiving day while the family is having their big get together and Thanksgiving evening, they come and they take their dog home because the dog would have hated all that crazy in the right. household. So I don't think that that's, that's right. a mistake. I think sometimes we try to power through when like truly it's a blessing to those dogs to get to come here and have fun and have it be relaxed and cuddle and play and just hang out for the day. Right. Well, one of the things that they did when this son's birthday is I gave them a bulleted list of what to do to prepare for the party and how to help their dogs handle it. And one of the things that we I insisted on was that the dog's crates be moved to a quiet room where they could have some white noise playing or through a dog's ear music. There was um, stuffed Kongs. Um, one of them settles better. I said, put a blanket over her crate because she settles better, better. But they didn't tell anybody where the dogs were. Okay, so the dogs are in their bedroom and nobody goes into their bedroom. And so one of the things that they did was when everybody was in and settled and they'd been there for a while, they brought the dogs out one at a time on leash for a short visit. And then they would go back and they'd bring out the other one. So and they told me that there was not it was it went really well. It was just a really good protocol. And I'm like, super. Do it again. Do it again. You know, and when they had both dogs out and one of the dogs was off lead and they started playing fetch with it and the other dog was going crazy. He said, I looked at him and said, this isn't fair to you. And I was like, yes, that's right. He goes, so he put him back in the room of the crate in a tasty Kong. And I'm like, that's exactly what I want you to be doing. I want you to be thinking in terms of, well, maybe we can try if we try it with both dogs and it's not good. Don't try and force it. You know, don't try and, and just sort of muscle your way through it. Instead, recognize that, wow, this is hard for you. What can we do to well, make it Well, and get easier? your dog used to the drill, right? Like if, if I don't want it to be that we're doing crisis management, right? Like being hosting the holiday or taking part in the holiday at someone else's house, especially with kiddos, while awesome, is frustrating and difficult for everyone, right? That's For the average family, like, let's face it, we all have really good family stories about, you know, the holidays and the crazy that happens. I mean, comedians make thousands and thousands of dollars off of, you know, telling their holiday stories. So the other thing is have have drills, right? When your kids go to school, they practice fire drills on the bus in the school. Like we practice the drill. We make sure that the kids are comfortable with what to do when things get a little bit nutty, right? So same thing. So for example, right now we're recording this. It's about almost a week out from Thanksgiving. The families on my service are all getting an email tomorrow that that says, start practicing whatever your Thanksgiving management is going to be today. So that it's not that the dog is never created with a Kong except when mayhem and foolishness happens like that. That's actually negatively classically conditioning instead of positively classically conditioning. Right. Right. So if it's, if it's, we wait until everybody's mad at everybody else and somebody's growled at somebody else and everybody's like, and then we stuff the dogs in the crate. Are you kidding? Of course that's a negative experience. 
But it, but if if right. your dog is right. fluent in at any given time at one o'clock in the afternoon, you're going in your crate with a Kong in the back bedroom, like move the crates now, move the like plan ahead. And if and if this is airing after Thanksgiving, I don't care. This is true for any any get together at your house. It could be for Bunko. Right. Because- right. Like it could be for your mother-in-law's 60th birthday. It doesn't matter. Like and young dogs struggle at least as much as elderly dogs do. The old dog who's used to sleeping mm-hmm. all day and not having 10,000 people in the house is going to struggle perhaps more than that young adolescent overly enthusiastic goofball puppy. Because the dog who's losing their hearing a little bit, the dog that's losing their vision a little bit, the dog that's a little bit arthritic and it hurts to get up, those dogs are going to have a hard time navigating the holidays too. Right. And for puppies, you need to pay attention to the fact that it may be really hard for them because this is all new and I don't know how to respond, but it could also be kind of scary for me because it's all new and I don't know how to respond. So one of the things could be when you get the Christmas tree, you know, don't just, there's lots of things you could do to sort of help the dog be more comfortable with the Christmas tree. Have it stand in the front yard. Let them sniff it out there for a little bit. You know, um, one of the things that I usually do simply because it makes things easier is the dogs do not need to stand at the front door as we're hauling this thing through the front door. The dogs can be in the backyard playing or they can be in their crates or something like that. So think in terms of logistics also for both dogs and people to make those transitions a little bit easier because it might be easier to accept the tree in the living room if it's just there when I get back as opposed to watching mom and dad perform the ceremony of four letter words as they try to struggle it, you know, uh, wrench it through the front door and, and put it up. That's what we used to call it when my father would get angry. Oh, look, dad's performing the ceremony of four letter words. So, um, you know, you, you don't need to put either and who needs to want to work? Who needs to worry about where is the dog when the front doors open and I'm struggling with this tree? I don't want to step on it. So I'm just saying in some ways, just before all this happens, before you do any of this stuff, give some thought as to what you think might be some of the problem points and what would be a, a good strategy for handling those points where things could be a bit more difficult well, and so, for you. And if it ends um, up that your holiday has all the magic and none of the mess or the mayhem, great, right? Then the dog just got to practice doing it right. Like, like, but, but I mean, I don't know about you, like the only holidays I have that go that way are the ones where it's like just our n- nuclear family, like here, quiet, It you know, it's like an average Tuesday, but with turkey right. so or lasagna. So- So, yeah, like it's I just I I don't know. I think we're stressed and when we're stressed, behavior breaks down. And so maybe we don't plan for the dog because we're trying to figure out what day we need or what time we need to start the turkey. Right. Um, Right. So I so I think this idea of let's take some time now a week out before Thanksgiving. You know, we probably should have been thinking this about a month before Thanksgiving, but be it as it may, take time before the event to think about where you think the problem points might be. The other thing is, is I was also to say, give just a tiny bit of thought about whether or not 
some of the things that you think would be fun to do with the dog would actually be fun for the dog to do. One of the things that we do in our family is we go and we cut down our Christmas trees ourselves. And I see people who bring their dogs and they put their dogs on the tree train or they put their dogs on the, you know, the hayride and there's, you know, there's kids screaming and there's hayride and, and, you know, it's, we're jogging through the mud and there's trees. And it's like, the dog is like, I don't know what's going on. They want to include the dog in this family activity. But honestly, I, I'm not convinced that most dogs I see at the tree cutting farms are having the time of their lives. And that this might be a time that's easier for you as well as for the dog to just leave him at home with a happy Kong and you bring the tree and then figure out how you're going to get it in the house without freaking right. him or up use it as an opportunity to do some training. Right. If, if I'm going to go right. to the farmer's market and Christopher is going to go look at all of the awesomeness and I'm going to hang back with my dog and teach my dog being connected with my dog, how to take in all that stimulus and everything that's happening and support them. And if they need us to move away, we move away. And if the per if they're, you know, they're going to practice greeting the person who wants to say hello to them, assuming that that's appropriate for the dog. That's one thing, but that is not what I typically see. Right. I mean, what I typically see is we're dragging a dog through an experience that the dog is profoundly uncomfortable with. And then the human's mad at the dog on top of it because the dog wants to go sniff, you know, a butt that's not his or wants to go check out that beef jerky that somebody's selling or, you know, he's on right. somebody's display table leg or whatever, right? All the different goofiness. So the, I think sometimes there's a little bit of, we, it's in, it feels like a good idea. Like, oh, we'll take the dog. That'll be good enrichment for the dog. But we don't necessarily think through how that's going to work. Right. Right. And if you do necessarily want to take your dog to the, the farmer's market or the tree farm or, you know, caroling or whatever it is that, that's activity you think the dog wants to do, if you're going to do it, then get a dedicated handler. This is not, you know, this is not a time for somebody to be sort of leading the carol and trying to pay attention to the dog, right? So if you're going to do it, make sure you've got somebody whose dedication is to the dog. When I was talking with this family about what they did for the birthday party and we were talking about future events because it went really well and they want to do it again, I said, one of the things to make sure is that um, when the dog is out, someone is dedicated to being the dog's handler. And if that person needs to go to the restroom or that, you know, they need to go do something else, make sure you have turned to someone else, to your spouse, or they have one daughter who's just really terrific with this, with the dog. They get So say, can you keep, you're the handler. Make sure there's communication, clear communication between all those who are going to be able to handle the dog so they know exactly who's on and who's off. So I think that that can help to reduce a lot of stress as well. If somebody's really clear, oh, I thought you were watching. Well, you never said anything to me. Well, then say something. You know, say, please, can you watch the dog? I need to go take the roast out of the oven. The other thing, as I suggested, is that don't try to do this for long periods of time. It's exhausting to be on all the time. So have the dog come out in happy, short, successful 
um, increments of time. Maybe the dog comes out for, for 10 minutes and greets people and gets some chicken and then goes back in. But make it successful and not overwhelming for you or the dog, because I don't want them to be stressed and tired and not able to effectively manage their and dog either. And people forget how much. So think I mean, in we terms just of, forget how much sleep dogs need, right? If the average family lets seven seventeen hours a right, day, right? Like the average family goes to work eight hours, and then let's let's pretend that families get to sleep eight hours at night. That's sixteen. On Thanksgiving break from school. Your children are there, awake, all the time. That poor dog, by the time, like, by the time Thanksgiving happens, by the time <laughs> Monday after Thanksgiving happens, your dog has a gold star on the calendar. They're like, thank God they're leaving. They're finally going to go, and I can just investigate the tree and the trash can without anyone being here bothering me, right? Um, no matter how much our, I mean, okay. Admit it, lots of us, I am not in this camp, but lots of us, we're ready for our kids to go back to school. We're ready for our spouse to go back to work. Like, can we just get back to normal? The holidays are stressful. They're great. They're really, really great. But they're also, like, they have this other stuff. Like, we were, a family that I met with on, I want to say it was Tuesday, they're going to put their dogs who have already had one squabble in the backseat of the car they're going to put their two enormous dogs in the back seat of the truck and drive for six hours. Oh, oh good. good. Oh, okay. Like, I don't, I don't, you can't put two kids in the back seat of a car and not have a fight in a six hour drive. Yeah. And, and so they were like, so do you think we should do this? And I'm like, okay, well, you kind of already planned to do it. So. And and so I said, have you, like, what's the longest they've been in a car in the back seat together? And they were like, well, it was this amount of time. And there was a little bit of fussing. And I was like, okay, so can one of you sit in the back and put the other dog in the passenger seat in the front? Like, is that an option? Because Thanksgiving is a two-way drive. Like, you're driving six hours one direction. And then, you know, in an, some short amount of time, we're going to be driving six hours home. So, so even if it's over a couple yeah. of days, the adrenaline dump that happened, the pushing of the tolerance that happened the first six hour drive, yet the dog is still living it on the drive home. So you're just stacking in a way that humans don't think about because we don't experience it the same way. Like, it's not that anybody's bad. We just don't experience those stress, um, those stress responses identically to what our dogs do. And so I think sometimes it makes us a little less empathetic than we recognize. And I am not perfect at it either, to be completely candid. Like I totally run it off in the ditch too. That's how I can give people sound advice because I run it off in the ditch all the time and learn new fascinating things. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was going to say when you're talking, I was thinking about, I was watching Zuzu and, and Clemmy in the in the backyard this morning and um zuzu bless her heart was trying to go to the bathroom and clemmy's like no you have to play no you have to play no you have to play and finally zuzu turned her and said no i don't i have to pee and clemmy backed off and let zuzu go to the bathroom but i was thinking to myself i think that's appropriate for zuzu to say to clemmy back off so i can pee 
But I also then is like, okay, let's have everybody come inside and calm down. And Zuzu, you can be in this room. And Clemmie, you can be in this room. So that the emotion of saying to one dog saying to another, please don't do that, calms down a little bit. So I think sometimes it's very appropriate for a stable adult female to tell a puppy that's not appropriate behavior. Well, and and we can also say, okay, we're going to just make it easier. Clemmie can go out on a leash. Yeah. Right. Like I can manage my puppy on a leash and walk her around in a different part of the yard. And once Zuzu's done with business, then let Clemmy go play so that she doesn't learn to harass her sister while her sister's bladder or bowel is ready to burst. Right. Right. And, and it was just one of those things where I didn't even I just I let and lots of times I let and, and so, you, yeah, I learned something. Right. Lots of times I let them out together and it's perfectly fine. They both go and they pee at the same time and then they play. So you're right. It's just not every time. Um, and my grandchildren have arrived. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Well, enjoy so, your holiday um, with them guys, and with the puppy and with Zuzu. And I'll catch yes. you soon. Yeah. Well, I just, we should probably do, hey guys, can you be just a little quiet while I wrap up this podcast? I think. All right. Well, why don't you go out and play with Clementine in the hallway for a second? Okay, Clemmie, go with them. So one of the things I just want to say is a, is a quick wrap up for all this is that when you're talking about the holidays, take a second to do some pre-planning with your dog. Think about where you envision some of the tough points to be. And as you said, imagine the worst and then come up with a solution that will hopefully keep the peace between people and animals. And the other thing I would say is remember, you're not in this alone usually. Make sure that if you're going to come up with a plan, talk to people about what the plan is so that they don't just try and read your mind. Oh, I didn't know that's what you wanted me to do. So come up with a plan and share it and see if you think that's a workable plan. And my own feeling on this is always err on the side of short and sweet interactions. It's going to make things a lot more positive for everybody. So short and sweet interactions between kids and dogs, short and sweet interactions between dogs, short and sweet interactions between grandma and, and dog. All of those are going to make everybody And I would happier. say whoever's listening to this podcast, right, you're the heart of your home. And so if you're tired, if you're a little bit overwhelmed, if you're a little bit out of sorts, the dog is taking their cue from you. So better to, you know, to have not had a negative experience than to be trying to fix it later. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, with that, hopefully we'll get this on before Christmas. But remember that these are things that you can use at birthday parties. You can use at any kind of get together that you're going to have people at your house. And once you have established a routine that seems pretty successful, then stick with it. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And we yes. think you're you're all smart and, and pretty. And and Julie too. Enjoy your holidays. <laughs> you too, Kina. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. 